Welcome back, everyone, to the Dice Pirates podcast. This is episode 14, where we are going to be bringing you another group of fantastic solo games. That's, of course, a type of gaming that has really been getting its moment this past year. You might not be able to play with other people. You might be stuck at home. But this is still part of the hobby that you can really enjoy. I, of course, am your Captain Ian, joined by the ever-present Matt and our oft-joining companion Aaron. How you guys doing? I mean, good. It's my new. I mean, have I been relegated to the title just ever present? Like, I have no role, I have no responsibilities. I am giving you the title that you have worked for. This is what you have earned. So oh, I feel like this is valid. That's fair. And also, I don't have to do anything. So cool. I'm just gonna climb up to the crow's nest. You guys have fun. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm glad to have somebody else that I can talk to. Good, good. Happy, happy to to be back in the saddle. Or am I mixing my metaphors there? Maybe. Hey, I found a special guest for us up here in the crow's nest. Hey, uh, it's Lily from uh, Play It Solo is here to hang out with us on today's voyage. Lily, how you doing? It's so good to have you here. Hi, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We are doing great. It's so great to have you here. Of course, you are one of our um, favorite Instagrammers. You do a Instagram that is solely talking about solo games. You do a cover a lot of those, and I personally really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot getting to read through that and getting to pick up a lot of games that I wouldn't otherwise find. So that's been fantastic. I'm really glad that you decided to come on the podcast. Well, thanks to you guys. I'm really excited. A little nervous, but I'm uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing to be nervous about. We're a, a friendly crew of a pirate <laughs> who roam the sea. That's nothing nervous <laughs> about that. I guarantee you are already more professional than everybody here. Moving forward to our soapbox, we're actually going to go ahead and give Lily the chance to talk first. Um, is there anything you want to go ahead and talk about on the soapbox? Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I, um, I decided to buy um, Anachrony because, you know, a lot of people were praising this game for its uh, solo version, variant, or and uh, so I went in and, and buy it, and um, it was the second edition, and when it came... I just, I just had a like weird feeling, you know. There was like a two-player um, little icon on the on the side of the box, and I was like, "Hmm, that's kind of weird." So I just went online and 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 did a little research, and uh, apparently the second edition doesn't have the solo version anymore. Uh, you have to buy Fractures of Time to play solo. I got a little frustrated. I'm still a little mad about it, um, to be honest. Because, well, if you if you can do like a like a an extension with um, a solo variant, why don't you put it in the base game in the first place? You know, it's just it's kind of weird to me. And then I did a little research for for this podcast, and um, and there's actually a lot of games that you have to buy an expansion. Or, or an, an another box in in order to play solo and it's just it's you know it's a little weird and I don't know why and maybe yes it's because there's more and more solo players and and it's it's a way for publisher to make you know more money and and, and stuff but it's just you know it's it's a little frustrating for sure yeah, this when you, when I heard that you were going to want to talk about this, I was really surprised because I hadn't heard a lot about it, and I started doing the same thing, kind of googling around, and realized that increasingly, 
there's an upcharge for solo player expansions for games. And it really surprised me. And it kind of made me think back to uh, when you would buy a video game and then there would be, you know, a, an ongoing charge or an upcharge for the multiplayer components. So it's kind of like the, the board game version of that idea. But I think it does point to the growing popularity of solo gaming, which is really, you know, has been around for a while, but I think it had its moment in 2020 when so many people kind of needed uh, that uh, escape of being able to play board games, maybe in an environment where they, they couldn't interact with other folks and so solo gaming has really emerged as this exciting new space and unfortunately when something gets hot it also looks like a way to make money so i think it uh i think some publishers maybe see this as just a way to you know you know increase their profits but to be fair also maybe there's added costs in some instances creating these solo things Aaron, what's your take on this? I know you're like our other kind of solo aficionado on the uh, Dice Scratch crew. Is this something you've ran into? What are you What are you feeling about this? Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because she she brought up like you know that that's something she wanted to talk about. I you know I was my initial thought was like, huh, that's weird. I feel like every game I've bought has had the solo mode included. Uh, and then I started to think about you know we were trying to to get together our notes, and I realized that one of the games that I really wanted to talk about specifically how much I enjoy the solo mode, I had to buy that separately from the publisher directly. Um, you know, and it's, I had to, it, it, it's just a little pack of cards that I had to get sent to me from the publisher in New Zealand. Like you can't, can't get it on Amazon or Cool Stuff Inc. Like it was only available from the publisher directly. And I mean, I really enjoy the game. So I guess I can't, you know, talk too too mad smack about it, but yeah, that is uh, it. Did in retrospect, that does feel kind of dirty. Yeah, it really the whole thing just makes me appreciate Stolmeyer Games all the more, and the care that they take to put their games together and to always include uh, the automata solo rules, which are not just a, an add-on, but uh, you know have their own distinct rule book and system for play. That's just. Uh, you know, maybe that does add to their development costs, and maybe that's even passed on a bit to the consumer. You know, sometimes uh, Stolmeyer games are not—they're not the cheapest, you know, upfront to buy. But the fact that it's in there right out the the base price does uh, make it so much more convenient for the solo player, and that just makes you feel better about them as a publisher, and probably you know more loyal. The fact that they're not uh, making you go through an extra step or jump through any hoops. So um, I think the the publishers that take the time to really cater to the solo audience are gonna reap a lot of rewards as that you know group of players only grows from here absolutely and uh to to touch on what you're saying there matt with the with stonemeyer games you know they always take the time the solo mode isn't just included in the back of the rule book as here's this kind of fiddly thing that you got to play two hands. You know, it, it is its own separately designed and developed set of rules. It has its own rule book that is the same. I mean, sometimes it's almost the same thickness as the rules for the game itself. You know, like it's it's a very well thought out, well-intentioned product that they, they include its own separate components. And that really says a lot to their commitment to that idea of being accessible to everybody at every play count. And I, I think that's that's something that, that should be, be praised and lauded. I think it's really important that we do see that moving forward, especially as, you know, this has become more popular and, you know, we really you really don't want to see a situation where it is just an added cost. I mean, you know, going back to Anachrony very briefly, the original edition of Anachrony did have a solo play variant 
that you played with the base game. It wasn't something you needed to purchase extra. And then with their re-release, they decided to remove that and sell it with an expansion, which I don't see how you look at that any other way. And I really hope that we see more developers follow the Stonemaier Games version, because that is, of course... So much just more consumer-friendly to everybody involved. But moving on, I know that Matt does have something he wants to talk about on the soapbox. Absolutely. Let me climb up here. All right. So uh, my beef, well, I don't know if this is a beef. My my observation this week is uh, around the latest Kickstarter hot item that is just racking up ridiculous totals. That's X-Men United from Simon, uh, who will forever be in my heart, be cool mini or not. Uh, but this game has, as of recording, uh, raised over $1.4 million in uh, just over 24 hours since they uh, launched the game. Uh, it's, it's raising money so fast that I can just sit here and re- hit refresh on my phone uh, and watch the Kickstarter ad like a thousand every like second. It's bananas. And the whole thing just makes me uh, go back to my comments a few episodes back about... Uh, this like uh, crazy relationship that is happening right now between board gamers and Kickstarter, where there's all this FOMO and so much money is flowing in for these games. I remain convinced. I want to reiterate my prediction that there will be some kind of uh, major disaster where a game fails to launch and a lot of money is lost. Now that's not going to be X-Men United. Simon is a great company for better or worse. They know how to work the Kickstarter machine and get that money out of you, but they will deliver a game. It'll probably be pretty fun. It'll certainly be playable. And I don't think anybody has anything to worry about. But what worries me is smaller publishers, people with less experience, or in a worst case scenario, dubious intentions, who come chasing this Kickstarter money. You know, I, I, you know, I worry about the day that there's a really big uh, scandal and we all have to kind of rethink this. But it's just something that remains to me really fascinating to watch. The other quick thing I wanted to say about this game is it kind of like made me laugh because it made me think about our conversation from an episode ago about uh, about fantasy flight games. Because believe it or not, X-Men United is not the first X-Men board game to drop this year, although the game, I guess, technically is in fundraising. It hasn't dropped, but Fantasy Flight came out with X-Men Mutant Insurrection just uh, a few months ago. And uh, that game landed with a whimper. Uh, it did not uh, show up on the hotness list that I recall. I haven't seen anybody on like, board game Instagram really talking about it. It's gotten pretty lukewarm reviews. Uh, it's really funny seeing their different approaches to how they did these games. You know, With CMON, they're like, well, let's make some Marvel games. So let's make them like whiz, bang, loud games full of action and big minis. And Fantasy Flight Games was like, hey, let's make an X-Men game. Cool. What do you want to do? Let's start with Yahtzee. X-Men Mutant Insurrection is a dice game that uh, when I first saw it, I was really excited about because it takes kind of the basic uh, format of Elder Sign, which is a game that I really, really like. It actually plays very well solo as on the topic of the episode. It's a spooky game in their Arkham universe, and it uses dice in a really tense way to try to like resolve encounters. Uh, when I heard they were basically doing an X-Men variation of that, I was actually pretty pumped. But after watching a couple of reviews, it's clear that they stripped out almost all the thematic elements uh, of that and left us with a game that's basically just uh, Yahtzee, you know, result- matching dice and moving your little cardboard X-Men standees around from card to card. It looks pretty lame. And uh, to be fair, I haven't played it, but it is. it does just kind of point to our comments uh, from a few episodes ago where it just feels like Fantasy Flight's in an odd place as a company and they're making some odd 
decisions. Uh, I'm a fan of theirs. I have so many of their games in my collection that I consider absolute favorites. So I'm rooting for them. But man, it's just funny to see how they tackled the same uh, property with the X-Men and went in a wildly different and much more boring direction. It really is incredible to see how a studio that is a little bit more connected and in touch with the board gaming community, what they're able to do with Kickstarter. Just to really give some context here, this game reached its funding goal in 10 minutes after they launched and grief. reached past a million dollars in less than a day. They, they passed a million dollars less than a day after they launched the project, which is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. That's a massive amount of money. And I mean, you know, the... the you know the game looks amazing, and you know it looks it looks like it's going to be produced well, like everything else Simon does. But it still is incredible to me the amount of money that you can get when you are willing to you know really actually work with the board game community. Aaron or Lily, have you guys played the original X Men United at all? What do you guys think about it? Yeah, I played it like two or three times, and I'm not I'm not really I'm not a fan of it. My friend Will is gonna kill me. Board Game Beacon is gonna kill me. Um, but yeah, it's it's just. It's not for me, you know, there's game that, you know, people will enjoy and, and that's fine. And I thought that I that I would too, but it's just, it's, it's not my cup of tea, no. I'm, I'm going to have to resell it, I think. <laughs> oh, I was... I was looking at it just recently as a game to play with my kids. So I have uh, I have young kids, and I was like, "Well, this looks not too difficult, like mechanically to like pick up." But it didn't look very deep. I think my dream X Men game would actually be almost like a dungeon crawl, like kind of moving your little X Men through a scenario and kind of resolving combat. And I think I would want something a little more deep like that, where you're kind of playing with the different X Men's powers, uh, or even just a, or a Marvel game in general. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny to see like how much this one is is pulling in though. I think it's entirely because of those cool chibi style uh, miniatures. Yeah, for sure. The minis are just like a big part of the the success for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they they do look amazing, but you know, it's just, I'm not buying a game for the minis. It just isn't that basically what Kingdom Death Monster is just a just a game you buy for the minis. If there's one thing Simon does well, it's definitely minis. You know, the game the game may not be anything else, but it's going to have some great minis for sure. We're going to go ahead and move on to Bitter Board Gamers. I'm excited for this one. We're going to have more people than ever before, and I have some fun reviews for you guys that I think you guys will enjoy, of course. So I'm going to go ahead and read off some one-star reviews from some gamers who just didn't quite get the point of the game that they were playing. And you guys are going to go ahead and try and guess the game. I'm excited. You guys ready, ready for your first review? Yep. All right. Really don't understand all the positive reviews. Boring. Luck-based, with little mitigation and even less interaction. Designer wasn't even sure himself about rules. I'm talking about Tapwheel Card. Sold to my mom, who somehow liked it, or at least pretended to. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I was thinking Wings fan, because I, I know that's a, a popular gotcha for this segment, but he did say himself, and... <sighs> Elizabeth's name's pretty big on that. Yeah, okay, I have a problem already with like the ethics of this the ethics of this review because he was <laughs> he was unhappy with the game. This individual uh, wrote this review, was unhappy with the game and sold it to their mother. Hey mom, this game is mom. Mom, this game is real bad. I don't like it. What's that all about, dude? What game could I be? Lily, you got any ideas on this? No. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read you a second review. This one is very short. Here's the review. Dice are dumb. <laughs> Dice are dumb. I mean, 
this is this a game we've played? You know, that's my go-to every time. Is this a game we've played? This is, in fact, a game that you have played. This is also a game that I know Lily has played. Sagretta? It is, in fact, Sagrada. Oh, oh God. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, how, can well, you, how can you hate Sagrada that hard? That's hard. hard. Uh, that's hard. Sagrada is just lovely. It's just a lovely little game of, like, translucent dice that look like little lozenges. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Uh, how's, how do you like Sagrada solo, Lily? Is, that, uh, is, it, is it fun? I like, you know, I like the the challenge, the puzzle, but it's it's almost impossible to win. It's it's it's. I don't think it's designed to to to, to solo players. It's 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 impossible. It's insane. I think my my most victory point was like forty nine, and and it's just it's impossible to win. So I just I just played, you know for myself and I'm, I'm trying to beat my own score every time and just um because it's it's otherwise it's it's just so frustrating it's i don't think it's a very good solo game that's a good point not every game scales down solo ian you played it solo right i did actually play it solo a couple times uh, my problem is that i'm a little dumb and i made a couple mistakes and didn't follow the rules perfectly and i got about three quarters of the way through and i'd almost finished my tableau and i'd realized i made a couple of legal moves and at that point I was just all right. Yeah, well, I can't. I can't go back and change it now. Yeah. yeah. So that it, normally when we play around the table, you know, somebody is always like, "Oh, you can't do that. You got to take that move oh, back." You know, you and can't. people will jump on you. You can't make a misplacement. If you play with a dice pirates, the rules police are coming out hard on you. Like you, you place a die in the wrong column, or like in the, and it's just like it's like no, eh, you know. So you don't have that problem. So that's funny. No mercy at all, for sure. I do feel bad for this person, though, because Sagrada is a beautiful game, and it's sad that somebody just didn't quite get it. All right, moving on to our second game. Here is your first review. Too many cards. Too large of a tableau. Too many resources. Too many actions. Too long. This game is simply too much for me. It feels bloated, and playing it is exhausting. I will never ask to play this, but will occasionally play when asked. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I do know that I want to play it. Yeah, me too. Based on that description, like too many cards, too many actions. It's, yes, sounds please. just like, like my game. You know, game. I think I know what this is right out the gate. Oh yeah, oh, really? I do. I think I know because it it made it made me immediately think of like my uh, qualms with this game, even though I like this game. Uh, it's terraforming Mars. Man, it is in fact terraforming Mars. <laughs> I got wow. that so good. I can't believe I got that the first wow. try. First try. Not didn't even have to go to the second review. I changed my answer then. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I, I will die on that hill. I'm not a big fan of terraforming Mars. You're not a big fan. We have uh, our our fellow Dustbird Dennis is a diehard terraforming Mars fan. In fact, it's so good. he. It's you know it really is a good game, but it is too much. I do find myself getting overwhelmed, and that's what made me click in on that because when he said too many cards too many resources too much i was like you know what there is a point where i look down at my tableau and terraforming mars and i just go i don't know what is going on anymore <laughs> like there is just a string of like green things and i've got ants and I'm, I'm de i've developed ants now and i've got a meteor and then there's like this thing is happening and then i don't even know and i'm moving these gold these little cubes around it is a lot it's a it's a lot to think about have you played solo, Matt? 
No, I've never played that one solo, and I would be fascinated to know what that was like. How do you like it solo? It's it's great. You don't have I I played solo A and I played with my best friend like a few few weeks back, and the experience is just totally different for sure. You know, it's with solo play you don't you don't really play cities and and stuff like that you you need to you know concentrate on on your oxygen and your your eat and and stuff like that so it's 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 a little different uh but with solo play you don't have that many cards to be honest you or that many resources so it's it's a little yeah it's interesting you know the the differences yeah, I could see it like being a more of like a chill thing playing it by yourself because and, and having more of that feeling of just like tending to your little colony because like you said, you're just like, oh, I got to make sure my heat levels are here and I'm using this resource. And that actually could be very fun. It's like when you're kind of trying to get when you're playing competitively and we've always played it with like four or more you know people. So it's like there's a lot going on and you're trying to get your engine going so you can get ahead and and somebody's like constantly maneuvering around on the board trying to get to getting where you want to be. So it's it's not the most cutthroat game in the world, but it, there's a lot more to there are a lot more variables when you're playing, you know, with other people. I could see it being much more chill as a solo game. That would be something I definitely have to try. I am a little frustrated, Matt, because I had a great review that I don't get to get to now, but I'm going to read it anyways because it's amazing. So here's the last review that you unfortunately guessed too early. This is the most overrated game I've ever played. The gaming community that pushed this to number three is the reason games like Monopoly dominated board games for 100 years. (laughs) Now we will have another 100 years of games like Terraforming Mars, and every successive generation will wonder what the hell is wrong with us. We lost Matt. We lost Matt. He couldn't handle it. Uh, (laughs) We lost him. (laughs) That is... Oh, that's hilarious! So in this in this reviewer's mind, in a in a dark dystopian future, people are just like, "Why terraforming Mars? You ruined board gaming for a generation." A generation of games like terraforming Mars sounds like a great future to me. I just I really don't see the monopoly terraforming Mars no. comparison. I mean, that's <laughs> not even a little not bit. Not at all. That's brutal. Have you guys backed um, the RS expedition? I think uh, I think that Dennis has, so I think our group is probably going to get that eventually. Uh, I would be stunned if Dennis hadn't backed that, uh, because like I said, he's the dedicated Turn Forty Mars fan. In fact, we are planning an upcoming episode entirely on Mars stuff. I think we're going to do a head-to-head comparison of On Mars and Terraforming Mars. Pick your flavor of Mars colonization game. So that should be a fun episode. So we're going to go ahead and go to a quick break, and we're going to talk about some amazing solo player games in just a minute. All right, and welcome back to the Dice Pirates, and we're going to dive into our main discussion today, which is even more solo games. Uh, We did a solo game episode back a few uh, months ago, and it was a very popular episode, and uh, we decided it's time to revisit that topic because it is something that is really growing in popularity and interest, and uh, to help us navigate these waters, we wanted to bring on a true expert in uh, play in solo, and that is uh, Lily from at play it solo on Instagram. Lily, thank you for being with us and bringing us a little bit of expertise. And I wanted to kind of kick things off by just letting you talk a little bit about how you got into playing solo games and uh, wanted to uh, create your Instagram account and document that. So tell us a little bit about your background and playing it solo. 
Yeah, so um, I've always played, uh, you know, board games with my family. Uh, my uncle is like a like a real, real board game geek. Um, he, he, he always had like weird games for us to play and uh, we spent hours and hours with my brothers, my cousins and, and, and my uncle play, play games. So I have a, like really great memories with board games and more recently well you know with the with the pandemic um, um, at the start of the pandemic I didn't know what was gonna happen with work and uh, I was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna be stuck in my small apartment all day and what 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 am I gonna do and you know what cool playing video games eh, well you know it's 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 getting a little you know well I don't, I don't know, but I just wanted to have, you know, something to feed my brain, if I, if that's an expression. And so I went to my LGS and, and I, I bought Mage Knight, uh, which is going to be a, a cool bridge for the, the next segment, I think. But uh, yeah, so I bought Mage Knight and, uh, and uh, I never really stopped. And now I have like... I don't know how many games and like I said earlier I, I, I need to stop buying games it, it's getting out of hand right now it's it's crazy <laughs> board games are not a hobby Lily board games are a lifestyle yeah I just want to remark <laughs> what an absolutely buck wild place to start mage yeah. night is like of all of the options that you had before you you saw that like coffin on the shelf and you were like that's a good step one for me uh-huh to be honest, it was my my two final choices were Gloomhaven and Mage Knight. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. And well, you know, I I we used to play so many games with my uncle. I just you know D and D and stuff, and I, I I feel like I needed something you know big to you know occupy my days. You know, it's it's a whole day without work, and, and I'm working like a like crazy, and so I needed something you know to to really past the time so so yeah so mage knight or gloomhaven and the final decision was uh mage knight you know it's interesting to hear you describe kind of your thought process of getting into games and using that phrase like feeding your brain because that is something that i think is distinct about playing solo games compared to playing video games this is much more an active thing i mean and it's something that i didn't notice until i started getting into board gaming and then kind of going back and forth between board games and video games is video games are much more zone out and you're just kind of reacting to what you're seeing but playing a solo board game is a very active mentally active hobby because not only are you playing a game you're running a game there's all these complex rule systems that you have to manage that uh that's really fascinating to me and it makes it a very distinct kind of recreational activity i like i like the puzzle you know i like the the challenge and i like to be along with, with my thoughts and, and see, okay, I need to do that. And what can I do to, you know, be the more efficient and, and how can I, you know, I, it's, I, I like this puzzly, you know, thing to, with, and Mage Knight is like the, that's a, the big boy of, uh, of puzzles, I think. I can definitely see why you gravitated towards that one as well, though. I mean, just looking at the, the pictures of the game and the general aesthetic of it, it looks gorgeous. It looks amazing. And, I mean, when you consider its place on, you know, the the ratings, I mean, 26 overall, 24th in terms of strategy, I mean, I can see why it's a, a natural place to start in many ways. Actually, I have not had the pleasure of playing this game, but I'm very excited to get to hear more about, you know, the way this game works and some of the reasons to pick it up, for sure. 
I do have one more question for you before we get into it. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on Mage Knight. And then we'll start breaking. We're going to start kind of breaking down some game recommendations for everybody. But the way we got to know you is through your Instagram account and uh, play it solo. And I was curious about sort of the experience of like being a part of the board game uh, Instagram community and kind of how that's contributed to your enjoyment of games. Because even though you're at home and playing a uh, game solo, it's like this whole community has kind of formed where uh fans of these games can interact and share is that sort of what made you want to kind of go into that space and create your account i mean what's what's that been like for you well it's been a little crazy because i think i started my instagram um in january i think so it's fairly recent and and the amount of you know followers you know that that i got for the the first few weeks slash month was really overwhelming. I I didn't I didn't know what was going on and why would people be so interested in what I was you know is it was just solo solo reviews and solo experience and I didn't think that it was something that people would you know would like and and uh, it's it's just it's growing every day and and. I, I, I'm talking to a lot of people who were just not really into solo gaming or, or just never thought of playing game solo. It has been very, very interesting to, you know, see hardcore gamer with, you know, three or four players say, oh, wow, maybe, yeah, maybe that's interesting. Maybe I, I should try to play my favorite game solo and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it, it's been really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's been really fun to watch, uh, to watch your account grow and to, for, to watch, and for us to also kind of be a part of that. It's like we're all in different places playing games, but there's this tremendous community of people sharing their experiences, and it's it's really fun to be a part of. Uh, but, you know, uh, to kind of get into the games, let's get back to Mage Knight. So that's been a bucket list game for me for a while. Uh, I am on the record as a huge nerd for all things fantasy and sword and sorcery. And just the phrase Mage Knight immediately makes me want to play it. But I have been intimidated by how heavy this game's reputation for being super heavy and a little bit tough. Tell us about playing Mage Knight. What do you, what do you like about it? Well, I'm going to start by saying that it's, it is a really heavy game. I spend hours and hours um, watching breakthrough videos and, you know, just to see how the game works. And because you have so many things to to think about right so you start with uh choosing a character you have like i think seven characters to choose from seven mage knights and then you begin the game with um a deck of 16 cards right so and and each deck is associated with um with a mage knight so every mage has you know different uh, abilities different skills and then you start your day with this deck of cards. You are choosing a scenario. I think in the, well, I have the ultimate edition, so I have two or three expansion with the base game. Uh, but you have like 11 scenarios to choose from. I think the most popular one is the solo conquest. So you have three days and three nights to um, conquer two cities. So you have like a limit, limitation of time can't just explore like for for days and days uh, you, you have you have to stop at, at one point and then so you 
you have these little, you know, hexagonal tiles, and on each tiles you have like um, multiple options. You can, you know, go to a village. Um, maybe you want some recruits, some units in this village, or you can go to a mage tower and uh, you want to decide to maybe, you know, attack this mage uh, tower to gain a spell uh, that you can add to your base deck. So yeah, you you spend, you know, um, your your days growing your character, level up your, your character, and uh, until you think that you are ready to go and and attack some cities with some really bad guys in it and uh, and try your best. That sounds awesome. Uh, Ian, what, what game am I going to compare this to right now? You're 100% going to compare this to Runebound, and I've been waiting for it since I knew this game was coming up. It sounds so It sounds so much like Runebound, but it's like a deck-building version of it, and now all the more I am dying to play it because I love uh, a good deck-builder, and to mix that in with like fantasy exploration and these cool miniatures, it comes with nifty little pre-painted uh, Mage Knights for you to play with from what I've seen in the pictures. They, they are not that great looking to be <laughs> to be frank <laughs> i don't really i don't really like them but it's like i said you don't you don't play mage knight for for the minis you know you 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 play for the deck building adventure and you know and and castle spell and some artifacts and battle some orcs and and uh, and and stuff like that it's 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 really amazing this game sounds 100 percent at my wheelhouse it sounds great I, it's something i really am enjoying like i'm looking forward to play and so like you know, you said like you know you spend a lot of it, you know, like adventuring around things like that. Do you get the feeling of like really growing more powerful as you play through the game? I mean, it takes it takes a significant amount of playing time, um, from what I can see. So, do you really get like that progression as you move forward? Does it feel like satisfying towards the end? Yeah, because let's say for example you decide to to attack some mage tower and you have like like an an enemy in it, and each enemy has like a little number, a fame number. So when you defeat them you gain like, let's say, six six points of fame. And you have like a little track, and every time that you level up that track, you gain a skill. And like, um, I think it's a special action card who gains you more power, right? So it really feels like you 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 grow with your character. Uh, and, and, and it really depends on, on where you want to go, if you want to attack this enemy, if you want to... Uh, you know, explore some ruins. You, you have so many choices because, like I said, the tiles are just, I think there's like maybe 20 or 25 tiles with, and, and each one has like a different option to, to explore. So it's the replayability is just insane, insane. I think it's my like 40th play and, and just every, every play is different. That's perfect. It sounds like it'd just be a good game overall, but also it sounds perfect for a solo play game that really gives you a different experience each time, but really just delivers on, on what it needs to provide. That's fantastic. I definitely am going to have to try this out myself. Yeah, you create your own, your own adventure, for sure. And it's just so so complex. The puzzles is just, it, oh my god, it's so, so good. It, it's really amazing. We're going to take a slightly different track now, and we're going to look at the game that is not quite so heavy. Um, Aaron, what do you have for us? Uh, I've actually got it's kind of kind of two games in one. Uh, it's uh, two games from the Simply Solo series published by Buttonshy Games, both of which designed by Scott Alms 
of the Tiny Epic series oeuvre of games. It's Food Chain Island and Ugly Griffin Inn. And they're completely different games, but they're basically, you get uh, this this little wallet pack that's kind of button shy's whole shtick is it's a little little game that you can just tuck in your pocket uh, with 16 cards. And the, the one that I've been really into the most lately, Ugly Griffin Inn, the cards are patrons at this tavern, the Ugly Griffin Inn. And you have, some of them are on the table as patrons at the bar, and then every night you have to move one of them into the inn, into this this tower that you're building. And whenever you move somebody into the tower, you have to check and see if something sets them off and causes them to leave the inn, which usually has some additional catastrophic event causing somebody else to leave, or just making the game worse for you in some way. And the the object of it is to get a certain number of people in the inn at a certain point without I think it's I think it's eight people. As soon as you have eight people leave the inn, that's it, you've lost game over. And so it it really is this fantastic puzzle of okay, so if I put this guy here, he's immediately gonna leave, so I can't do him. And then you look at the other guys and you're like, well, Maybe I do move him because then that'll clear out this space, but then that's one fewer person that I can lose towards the whole of the game. And you just, there's it for a game that is just 16 cards. It is such a satisfying and engaging puzzle of, of really trying to manage of trying to, to pick the, the lesser evil, you know, of like, well, sometimes you have to take one of the ones that's for sure going to immediately leave so that you can do something else next turn. Um, and Food Chain Island, very briefly, you put the 16 out in a 4x4 four four square. Uh, they're all different animals, and you have to move them over each other to eat each other. So it's kind of like that game at Cracker Barrel on the table with the, the pegs and the triangle, where the goal is to just have one person left at the end. And if you have, you know, three or more, you're an ignoramus. And it's just, they're both really excellent. They don't take up too much space. I can I can play them on my desk on my lunch break. Um, and they're just really, really excellent little games that uh, I've, I've really been enjoying lately. So I'm really fascinated by Buttonshy's whole, like lineup of games and i was thrilled that you wanted to talk about them uh aaron because i just discovered these not too long ago uh just on social media seeing people posting them and they're and if you're not familiar with them they're literally wallet games it's not a euphemism it's a tiny they have a tiny little plastic wallet with a tiny number of cards and you could stick it you could stick it in your back pocket take it out with you these games are perfect for uh now that the world is starting to tentatively open up again i think these are tailor-made for like a pub or busting out with some friends uh, at a at, at a party or wherever you're at, or in the solo form, if you got some downtime and you've got a horizontal surface that you can play on, you could play. You could literally play these games just about anywhere, <laughs> and uh, they're probably pretty quick to play too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can I can my my lunch is about thirty minutes, and I can knock out a couple games of Ugly Griffin in. That's a really neat niche to fill. Is like a game that you can just play in a couple minutes. It's very, it, it feels very solitaire esque. Like you know those games you can just pull out a deck of cards. It's easy to bring around with you, but it throws a little something in that's fun. It gives you a reason to play instead of 
you know, just playing the same game of solitaire over and over again, which, you know, is, is, is great, but it's nice to have that extra little theme that kind of makes it more engaging to play with. You, uh, everybody needs a game, some games like this in your collection. I mean, you, the, of course, you know, we all love those all day experiences, you know, like mage night, which I'm sure takes, you know, a couple hours or more probably to run through a scenario. I mean, that's like an afternoon, you know, you're going to make an event of it, but you know, you always need something where it's just like, you know what, I'm just going to tool around with this, just to keep my mind sharp, just to kill some time so I, that's uh it's fun to see kind of the spectrum of, of games in the solo space thanks to aaron i have black sonata to <laughs> to play if i want to you know quick quick little game so lily what is your next game you have for us so click in space is uh, for the solo play yeah it's the only game requires an app to play I don't know how people feel with, you know, app and, and stuff, but... Yeah, that's a controversial topic. Yeah, but this one is pretty good. You have, like, a whole campaign for, for the solo play, and it, it really helps a lot to, you know, manage your, your opponent cards and, and, and stuff, so, so it's, it's pretty good. So Clank is a deck-building game, too. I think uh, I have a theme. I like uh, I like the building games for sure. So yes, yeah, so you basically is uh, you are a thief, and uh, you need to steal something from Lord Eradicus uh, on his spaceship. <laughs> I'm, I'm already on board for this. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, so along the way you will need to recruit um, allies, and uh, you of course gonna gain some cards that you're gonna buy with other cards to you know uh, build a, a good good deck engine but you need to be you know very silent because clank is for the noise that you are making on the spaceship and the more noise you make the more the lord eradicus you know will be very angry with you <laughs> if, if, if you if you don't you know play like the right way uh, so yeah, it's it's a fun little little game. The campaign uh, is is pretty well done. I think it's five scenarios that I've finished. I think in two weekends. Uh, it's a little short, to be honest with you. I would I would love to play a more official uh, version, but the the BGG community is is pretty good for that. So someone did make like uh, five more scenarios for um, solo players to play and uh, with an official website and, and, and stuff and, and it looks it looks amazing so I'm, I'm gonna try I'm gonna try you know this weekend to to play and and, and, and see uh, if it's any good it never ceases to amaze me like the creativity and talent in the BGG <sighs> community like somebody so a publisher will make a game and then like two weekends somebody's been like I made like three extra campaigns it's not a big deal you know it's just like wow that's incredible this game sounds really fun and this is a case where I feel like the app makes a lot of sense to me because uh, I know that's sort of controversial right now do we want apps do we want video games intruding in our precious tabletop space I have complicated feelings about apps and board games but it just occurred to me as you were talking that solo gaming there might be a space where it can help because it does take some of the game management off of you and you can kind of play the game a little bit more. Do, do you feel like it was helpful in that way? Oh yeah, and and especially for Clank in space, it's it's so in theme too. You know, it's you have an app and and you're in, in you're in space and you're a, you're a thief and you're a hacker and it's just it it fits perfectly really. 
And it, I know it's not the case for a lot of games. And, and I agree, I don't really like to play with, with apps too, but you know, for Clank, it's just, it, it, fits, it fits great. And, uh, and it tells you, you know, you need to remove this card and this card from the adventure row. And from time to time, you just add a new mission and, oh, you're here. Oh, yeah, don't forget. Maybe you can do that and do that. And it just has, a, you know, um, an extra, extra feeling to, yeah, you, you're, you're on a mission, you know. And sometimes you're going to have a little, and yes, uh, yeah, don't forget to do that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, oh, it's just... Awesome. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's amazing for Clank in space, specifically. It's just it's it's amazing. It it, it feels so good. I, and the Otoma is not is not that complicated in in Clank. So it's you know you can just have a dice and and roll it and and see oh two okay so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna remove the the second card and stuff like that. But for the you know ensemble, just you know adding extra missions and stuff like that. It's just it's just so cool. So, so cool. That sounds fantastic. I am curious because as, as I look at the game, it says that it's for two to four people. Is this a situation where you do have to purchase the single player expansion or does that come, uh, is that available if you just download the app? How does that work? Yeah, the app is free. So you can have, uh, you can have it on Android or Apple. And yeah, it's, it's just basically a whole campaign for solo players or for multiplayer or two. Yeah, that, that's good. That kind of, that's a great tie into our soapbox discussion. Like good on them for adding that free as an added value. They could just as easily have charged probably five bucks for that. And I probably, probably would have paid it, but you yeah. know, how yeah. nice is oh, it yeah. to just be an added value and something that makes you, uh, you know, if you're a solo player, go out and get clank space. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And it sounds like it makes the game way more atmospheric as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's the case for for a lot of games. We you know where you have a campaign, right? It's just it feels like a like a big adventure, really, and and not just like oh yeah, we're gonna play play this this thing or or, or whatever. It's just it it's a whole thing, you know. It's five or six missions, and you're on it. I I played like back to back, and it's just it was so so cool. And it's an hour, an hour and and a half maybe of play time. So it's not that it's not that heavy, really. That sounds like something I definitely enjoy. And being able to play with more people as well sounds like it would scale up pretty well. So that's definitely one I have to add to my list. That sounds awesome. All right. So, Matt, uh, what do you have for us? I know you have a game that, you know, you've played and I actually got the chance to play as well. And you're very excited about. Oh, man, I'm thrilled to talk about this game. Uh, It is Escape the Dark Castle from the publisher Themeborn. Uh, I have been in love with this game uh, since I bought it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's been on my wish list for a while because it uh, immediately grabbed my attention with its dark gothic art and theme and just the thought of a really well-crafted, story-driven, essentially dungeon crawler, which is what it is. In Escape the Dark Castle, you play prisoners in the titular Dark Castle who are trying to escape. And the format of the game is like working your way through the pages of an old uh, choose-your-own-adventure-style book. You construct your deck out of a selection of chapter cards. You deal out 15 at random. And then you place a boss uh, at the back of the deck and you put on your book cover, which is a a cool picture of the dark castle and then to play you just literally flip open these big oversized cards uh, like pages of a novel and you read uh, the scene and there's a wonderful black and white uh, creepy illustration that tells you where you're at and then you roll uh, your dice to try to resolve whatever encounter and proceed on to the dungeon you play uh, just common medieval folk in this game there's no paladins or rangers or druids you just play the miller the tanner or the abbot 
just uh, sad medieval folk who've been captured. And each character is uh, represented by a really nice oversized character die. And on each side of it are symbols corresponding to the game's stats, wisdom, cunning, or might. And each character has a unique uh, assortment of those key stats. And so uh, every play is a little bit different depending on who you're playing. You are more or less likely to roll certain stats, which means you're more or less uh, apt to be able to pull off whatever challenge that the game is putting in front of you. It is remarkably thematic and fun, uh, but I will say up front that it is maybe not for everybody. I can sort of get that this game, some people might bounce hard off of it because it's very linear. It doesn't present a lot. There are some interesting choices, but not really deep ones. Tom Vassell of the Dice Tower had a hilariously negative review of this. If you Google, if you look this up on YouTube and watch the Dice Tower review of this, he hated this game. And his criticism of it was essentially, it's like you flip over a card, roll some dice. Flip over a card, roll some dice. And it's like, he's not wrong, really. It's a fair criticism. And if you're not of the mindset to kind of embrace the thematic part of this, mechanically, there isn't a lot going on. So I think that's a fair point to make up front. If, however, you're willing to kind of lower the lights and if you're the type of person who's willing to actually read the flavor text and if you want to get like pulled into the story that the game presents it's really good uh it's better than the sum of its parts mostly because of the quality of the components and the presentation you can't really oversell how great this thing is to look and play with the cards are wonderful texture the chapter cards are oversized and, and great to look at and the art is amazing it's this black and white pen and ink style that is somewhere between like an old D&D uh, &D manual from the 70s meets Edward Gorey. You know, it's got this strange, creepy quality. Uh, I love uh, I love the character portraits with like the big sad eyes on the on the people. Uh, it's very, it pulls you in. Pretty well written. It's not like, uh, you know, Shakespeare or anything, but like the, the prose and the, the pulpy uh, verbiage on the cards really kind of sells the atmosphere. And even though it's not the most deep game, in the world in terms of strategic choices there's a tremendous amount of tension right it does give you some interesting options some of the cards do pull you into an unavoidable encounter you have to fight something or you have to you fall right into a trap but some of them give you these tantalizing push your luck choices like you can sneak past this this person or you could go in there and try to steal a couple of useful items if you're able to roll cunning in one attempt and so suddenly that becomes a really interesting choice of like, I don't know, do I want to try to steal it? Do I want to slip by? It's really good. And then there's the item play, which is probably the most interesting part of it. All throughout the adventure, you're going to acquire all sorts of useful items, you know, potions, weapons, an old rotten apple, you know, useful stuff. And uh, you can only hold two items per character. And I was one of the things I was surprised about when I played it is it's actually very generous with items. You, you pick them up pretty regularly as you're moving through. And so then you're forced with like, what do you leave behind? So your inventory management becomes this interesting puzzle of like, uh, this potion is really powerful, but situational. Uh, this this weapon is really good, but it only helps me certain times. And so you're constantly shuffling your inventory and then immediately regretting it when you're like, oh, could have used that. So all in all, I have loved this game. Uh, I highly recommend it if you like thematic stuff, if you like story-driven stuff, if you like games of cool art, cool art styles. It, is, it scales wonderfully to uh, single player. Uh, it's at its most difficult in a single player. Uh, it, you play with two characters when you're playing it solo, or if you're just obviously if you're playing it with two players. So it's identical at two players. Uh, that's at, that's, it's at its most challenging, and probably uh, it's probably pitched 
perfectly at that number of players because you have fewer options because between the two characters you only got four items to, to deal with to mitigate damage or deal with stuff you have a smaller health pool between the characters and if a single character dies the game's over so it's really tense really tough it's easy to set up and play and it totally it doesn't have any of that uh brain burn that can come from a solo game because there's so little rules there's no like game management or rule structure you have to keep in your head i mean literally read the card figure out what happened read the next card really really great uh i will say though even though we're talking about a solo episode the very my very favorite game of it was uh, ian and i played with my wife uh christine and we made it down to the very to the final encounter with the boss and it came down to a single die roll win or lose the if we didn't if we didn't kill this boss on this one die roll uh he was going to hit back and we're just going to die and that was it and christine rolled the die she was the last one to go she rolled didn't get the hit and we were like oh and then just simultaneously all of our eyes were like the potion you have a luck potion and so we were like drank the luck potion re-rolled the die it came up with the what we needed to hit the boss and kill him. There were high fives going around the table. It was insane. And I was like, I was like, oh, the magic of board games. That was one of my favorite things that happened. Yeah, so it was incredible. I hope I'm not overselling this game. It really is. I think it does kind of require that right person to appreciate it. But gosh, if you like story driven stuff, if you like creepy stuff, this one, uh, I don't. It's it's pretty darn good. Yeah, I think you did a good job of explaining. You know the best parts about the game you know i think that the simplicity you know you, the simplicity of it could work against if you are looking for something more but you know the simpleness of it does make it very appealing i think in, in many ways like you don't have to worry about adding stats all you do is roll a die and you know exactly what's going to happen it's very easy it's simple to get into it can be very thematic if you really put the time in and it's incredibly well balanced but i think one of the things that I like about it, too, is if you want to make it a little bit easier, if you really just want to do a little better, just give yourself a little bit more health at the beginning of the game. That's the only difficulty, really, rating of the game is how much health you start with. So you can easily give yourself a little more health, just start the game off, you know, make sure you go a little bit further. It's It doesn't matter. Like that, There's so little to the game that you can change that one thing. I, I would definitely recommend it as a game if you're interested at all in, in a very kind of like thematic experience if you can get into that at all. Yeah, I was I was looking at it while you were talking about it, and like that artwork is beyond gorgeous it's and it's it is very it is not an art style that you see in this hobby like just the the stark black and white pin you know pen and ink drawing of it all is it is certainly eye-catching if nothing else also i do see big fistfuls of dice and i mean yeah, and they're they're wonderfully made dice they're over they're big oversized like chunky dice that are just fun to roll and, you know, I was saying earlier in the episode that uh, how much I love dice rolling. And this game kind of epitomizes that. I mean, I know some people have like a love-hate relationship with dice and the randomness. But that tension of just like, I need to get this certain roll. Am I going to get it? And you, but you let the dice go. Oh, so good. The final thing, uh, the final couple of thoughts I'll say on this game are uh, just to kind of epitomize Themeborn's commitment to like design. You get a oversized like character sheet when you play the game that really serves no purpose. Like uh, all the information on the character sheet is actually on your die. The little stat, the little stats you see uh, carved onto the wall as if your prison, as if your person carved it into their prison cell wall. All those are just telling you like what's on the faces of the die. So you could just hand somebody their character die and say, "This is you. You're the Tanner." But that doesn't come alive. Having this little character portrait to look at and you see your sad little prisoner's gaunt face. 
Now it's a story. Now, who's this person? Why are they in jail? Uh, if you're the type of person that starts filling in the story gaps in your mind of like who your character is, uh, just that sense of like when they were designing the game of like, we got to make sure they see their character's face to like make it real. Oh, so smart. They're so, uh, so thoughtful in their design sense. And then the last thing I will say is they are, speaking of apps, uh, the game alludes to there being an app that's going to support this. When you buy it, a little leaflet is right there on top saying that they've got an app coming. It says app coming in 2020. It did not come out in 2020. <laughs> so I don't know, Themeborn, if you're listening, uh, where's this app? I'm actually kind of fascinated because to Lily, to your point about the Clank experience, I think it does add atmospheric effects and keeps track of your health and the little like housekeeping things. I think this is a case where, uh, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of housekeeping in this game, but I think an app would be a fun little addition uh, to just add some flavor. And I'm looking forward to when it actually drops, but it's not out yet, so we'll see. That's Escape the Dark Castle from Themeborn. Have you played with any of the expansions? Uh, not yet, uh, but I've already got them in my like Amazon queue and uh, they're coming. Uh, have you played this one, Lily? No, it's out of stock everywhere here, and it has been for like a year, and it's yeah. it's it's insane. I don't want to buy it from you know. It's just I I really want to try to you know buy from my local game store. That's a really great point. I bought Black Sonata from TGG in the United States, and I was like, oh, <laughs> but I, I did not have a choice for this. Game, but yeah that's a really great point i mean amazon is a that's a that's actually a be a fascinating topic for an episode is like you know is amazon good or bad for games because on the one hand i mean you're not supporting your local game stores and the value that they provide to communities uh but on the other hand uh hard to get game especially if you live in like a rural area and you don't have a, a store like a hard to get game like escape the dark castle I did get it off Amazon, and uh, it was out of print for a long time. I had it in my watch list, and about a week and a half ago, or maybe two weeks ago, it uh, popped up that they had like four or five in stock, and I went for it. So I don't regret it entirely. I think it's uh, one of those cases where this is a difficult enough to get game that uh, I don't feel too bad buying it. But I was uh, since then, I've been on uh, Themeborn's website and seeing that you can order product straight from them and was thinking that would probably be the better place to pick up the various okay. expansions but they look cool there's three expansions that add more scenario cards but more bosses i actually think i'm almost more excited about the bosses than anything else because uh the great little final mechanic that i like is that the, the final card uh it looks like a door on the back of it so when you get to the end of the, your journey there's this wooden door that you turn over and it's a surprise what boss it is because you can kind of you shuffle the bosses, so you don't know what you're going to see. And I like the idea of having more variety and maybe running into a boss you haven't seen yet or haven't seen in a while. Uh, definitely going to pick up some of the expansions for sure. It sounds sounds amazing. If you are interested in these games at all, I would highly encourage you to check out Themeborm's YouTube channel. They do have a companion game, Escape the Dark Sector. It's basically the sci-fi version of this. And for both of these games, they have a live-action trailer that they've put out. It's Absolutely amazing, cheesy sci-fi in the case of Escape the Dark Sector. Very just, you know, like thematic. It's super cheesy. It's super fun. Really gives you a feel for the game. I would check those out. So, Aaron, uh, let's get one more game from you. What do you have for us? Uh, yeah, the the bigger, more board gamey uh, game that I have is Raiders of the North Sea from Garfell Games. It's a worker placement game about Vikings... Uh, the board is, is basically divided into two halves. On the bottom half, you've got 
kind of the, the town where you're going around, you're gathering resources, be it money or cards or recruiting Vikings to your longship, other things to just, you know, get, get the resources that you need to go out. And then on the top half of the board, you actually send your Vikings to go raid different locations. And as you do that, you gain additional resources and you get that that's mostly where your points come from in the game is, is by raiding these different locations. Um, it it has a very unique mechanic in that it is it is a worker placement game, but you don't have any workers that belong to you. So at the start of the game, there's a couple locations on the board that are preceded with workers, and then everybody gets one of the same black level one worker. And on your turn, you take your worker, you put it on an empty space, do that action. Then you take any other space, except for the one you just put on, and you take the worker that's on that space, and then you do that action. So your strategy behind, like, okay, well, I know Matt is about to go raid, but I also know that he wants to hire another guy to make sure he's got enough strength to get the most points. So I'm going to go there and kind of block that spot off, and now he can't do it in the order that he wanted to do, because that that becomes really important is you can almost always do the two things in the town that you wanted to do. It's just, can you do them in the order you need to do them? Can you go get money first and then go recruit the guy? But, oh no, you're on the money space, so I can't do that first. I have to go to an empty space, and now I'm totally boned because I don't have enough money and I don't know what to do. And then when you send your Vikings out on a raid, you put it in, in one of the, the up-top spots, and then you get usually a higher-level worker from that space, which presents its own interesting uh, choices because the higher-level workers in some of the spots in the town, you get better or you know you get better rewards. Like when you go to the, the place where you get money, Instead of giving two money, you can get like three money or a gold. But there are some locations that you can't go to with a level two or a level three worker. It has to be the basic guy. And then there's some that you can only go to with the level two or level three. Um, so it's it's really interesting. What I really love about playing it solo is it completely changes the tempo of the game for me. I play the, the the group that I play the most with are very euro heavy, thoughtful. They plan out 15 turns ahead. So when I'm playing with them, we generally spend like so much more time in the village building up as much as possible until the first person goes out and raids and then now it's a race to see who can get there next whereas playing solo uh, the solo is much, much more aggressive, and it forces me to play the game differently because I'm having to play it a lot more quickly and aggressively and, and not make sure that I have everything that I need and just, okay, what can I get away with? What do I, what do I not need to make sure I'm as super massive overpowered as possible? What can I squeak by because... It doesn't stop or slow down. It is constantly, every turn that it can, it's going to go raid. And that's just, that. that's a wildly different way than how 
I play the game, and it's it's really interesting to me how it almost feels like two different games when I'm playing it by myself versus with my playgroup. You know, and and like I was saying earlier, you do have to buy the solo variant from the publisher, and it actually looks like they don't sell the physical version anymore. You can now buy it as an app. It is not free. I mean, it's only a dollar fifty, but still, there is that that border there where you do have to pay in order to play it by yourself, which is a little bit busted. But uh, it's such a fantastically fun game, even solo. How much is the is the app, Aaron? Uh, it is one forty nine American. Well, it's not too pricey, but still, that's that that's that point we brought up of like they saw the market and we're like, let's 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 put this behind a paywall. You know, and it should be in the base game. You know, if you can play it with two in the box, you should be able to play it with one in the box. Lily, I think I've, you've you've brought a new cause to life to my. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> but it's it's free it's, the solo mode. Free, <laughs> exactly, but it's so frustrating. Really, it's just. Come on, you can you can do a solo variant. So why? Ah, oh, I mean, I'm just moving on. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fun, though. I mean, any game involving Vikings is just—I love that. I love Vikings. Everybody, you know, that's cool. It's so cool, and the, you know, getting to to move out. The idea of a worker placement game where you don't actually own any of your workers—it's about just shuffling people around, trying to move people into places that you know they can't be as advantageous. That's such a. Uh, a different take on the worker placement you know, genre. And that's the sort of thing I, I love in these worker placement games is taking it and like slightly adjusting it and making it just ever so slightly different. So you kind of approach it in a different way. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. The, the first time I played it with, and somebody was explaining to me the game and they were like, I was like, Oh, Hey, we all have the same color pieces. And I was like rifling through the box. And he was like, no, 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 no. They don't, they're Vikings. They don't belong to you. They don't work for you. You know, you're you're conscripting them temporarily, and that just that just blew my mind. I was like, "That's amazing." Man, they even found a way to tie it in thematically. That is that's perfect. I love that so much. How long does this normally take to play for you? Uh, playing solo. I mean, I've I've played it a number of times now, and I've I've got the I've I've got the the setup and teardown pretty tight. Um, I can I can get through a solo in under an hour. Oh, that's pretty good. And then even with two or three people, if not including the teach, it's under two hours. That's pretty good. That's not too bad for, you know, a, a decent, you know, weight game, something that, you know, does have a, a bit of heft to it. So no, that's that's good. It's nice to have a game that, you know, you can spend some time with. It doesn't take up, you know, all of your time in the, the evening. So we're going to go ahead and move on to, sadly, our final game of this episode. Lily, what do you have for us? Well, speaking of, you know shared workers and, and worker placement game. Um, I want to talk about Expedition to New Dell. It's the, I think it's the latest uh, Alexander Pifster. I have another game from him, uh, Cloud Edge, which is on my shelf of shame, unfortunately. I just, I bought it and I just, I just, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not that interested now. Uh, but anyway, so Expedition to New Dell, I I really really loved. It's a a game that that uh, unfolds on eight chapters. So again, there is a like a campaign element um, that I that I really really like. So it's also an engine building game. 
uh, worker placement game, like I said. So you start with um, a building, a coal mine, with some resources on it. And uh, each resources is like money. So you can buy another card, another building, and uh, you place them on your little player board. And uh, you have some action to, to choose from. And uh, you, you know, you you have a goal for, for for sure. I think the first scenario is like to have like um, 38 Victorian point, a certain amount of resources, and they are pretty pretty high. So you need to think about you know your engine. You know you you think to, you need to think about okay, what do I need to build in order to gain that the most resources to buy another building so I can, you know, start to have a lot of victory points and, and, and stuff like that. And to do that, you have uh, workers at your disposition. Workers or assistants, I think they, they are called in the game. So each round, you'll draw an event card. So you have uh, like a time, time lapse for, for, for the game too. And uh, so on each card, event card, you have like a certain, a certain, certain amount of workers. On each round, you also have a bag full of them, and you you know pick one, two, three, four, depending on the on the event cards, and you add it to your um, market. I think uh, that's what it's called. Um, and with those assistants. Uh, slash workers uh, while you go on your buildings and grab some more resources, some more money, and uh, you play like that. And um, and it's a f it's a fun fun in the game. And also, what is really 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 cool with Ex Expedition to New Delhi is like um, so each building can generate resources, and you can chaining other goods or cards with those buildings. Um, and and. I think that's where it's the most, you know, interesting and where the puzzle is just so, so good and great. It's because the chaining element is just, is just so, so interesting. And I, I haven't played a game with this mechanic. Uh, Expedition to New Den is like a, a sequel to All My Goods. Uh, and I haven't played any of the, of, of them. So it, it was just like a really nice surprise to to have this um, this mechanics, yeah. It sounds really, really intriguing how these uh, mechanics work. And looking at the game, it has a really, it's really attractive looking art style. It does it have a storytelling component to it as well? It says like not chapters. really. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's just it's it's not even well, it's it's chapters like scenarios, but it 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 lacks a little bit of narrative to to, to be honest with you and. But yeah, the art is like like a you know old Euro games, right? It's just it, it has this like German or uh, you know feels. It just yeah. <laughs> but it, I I like it. it. It's it. I think it looks gorgeous. I have uh, I've somehow gotten fond of uh, this look in games as games have gotten a lot more uh, elaborate, sophisticated in their art. It, there's something about these like uh, quaint Euro folk in their little village and that kind of uh, throwback. Uh, art style that's very uh, very retro and uh, pleasing. So that's really cool. That almost sounds really fun. And it's nice to have some options in that kind of Euro space uh, that are fun solo as well.
Yeah. It looks very reminiscent of like Agricola and Clans of Caledonia in terms of the design, but also the engine building mechanic, which I, I personally love engine builders. And, you know, you said like, it, you know, it, I love that they do have like that campaign story to it. You said there's not, it's not so much of the story, but is it sort of like explain the mechanics as you move forward? How does that, how does that build into it? Yeah, it's, 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 you have like, um, like a big picture of the story, you know, you start at, at one point and then I think it's the emperor or the king or the queen, uh, you know, mandates you to do some missions and stuff. And you have like, like a, like a story like that, but it's, yeah, it's, you don't you don't play for the story for sure it's it's not it's not that kind of game no that's unfortunately but you know it it works it works pretty good you you just have your your end goal card and and just you know it's just, you need to do that and do that and it's just and yeah but it i i really like you know narrative games and and but for this one it's just it didn't really bother me that's the strength of a good Euro, for sure. I mean, many of the best Euros have absolutely no story to them whatsoever, but being able to have just completely robust mechanics that carry the game for you is one of the best things I think you can have in a game, for sure. All right, so those are some great solo games that you should absolutely try out. We are so thankful to have Lily from Play It Solo here. Definitely gave us a new perspective, brought some new games that... I would love to try out. Lily, if people want to follow you or reach out to you, where can they find you? And, uh, you know, any final thoughts? Well, first of all, it was it was really amazing. I was a little nervous, but I hope it went well. <laughs> uh, but it was it was awesome to talk to you guys. And, uh, yeah, people can find me at uh, on Instagram at PlaySolo. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's fantastic to have you here. Hopefully we can have you on again. There are plenty of games that we were unable to get to, unfortunately, but solo gaming is one of the best parts of this hobby. I'm really coming to believe that. Matt, if people want to get in touch with us as well, where can they do that? You can find us on Instagram, at Dice Pirates. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, we do more than podcasts. We write reviews. We uh, give updates on what we're playing, what we're doing. We talk about mini-painting. I uh, misspell words with alarming frequency on the Instagram story. So that's always fun to look for. So yeah, check us out on uh, Instagram at Dice Pirates. And again, check out uh, Lily on at Play It Solo. And we would love to hear from you all. We really hope that you do reach out and contact us. We love to get to hear from you guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, definitely consider giving us a review. Leave us a like over on Apple, wherever you do consume your podcast. It may not really matter to you. It may not matter to us. But unfortunately, it does matter to Apple and the algorithms that are in place. So if you have the time, if you're willing to, leave us a review over there. We thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you join us next time here on The Dice Pirates. Dice Pirates.